Okay, so that has started. Um, <clears throat> Megan, Carmen, does one of you want to kick us off today, our first episode of 2022? I think Carmen should. She's very silent now. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get off, trying to get off the mute. Sorry, y'all. Okay. Well, um, welcome to our first podcast episode of 2022. Happy New Year to all of our listeners out Happy there. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. New Year. Um, we are so excited about our 2022 um, sessions, our 2022 work um, that's going to be going on. And um, just excited about the, the new topics for this year. Um, but I'm so excited about this one for 2022, the very first one, because we are going to be talking about nursing excellence and what that is and what that means to Atrium Health, what that means to our nurses, to our patients, um, to our prospective teammates, um, to our community. And it is such a pleasure and an honor to have our, our my colleagues here um, on the call or on the podcast today to kind of share some of their leadership insights in regards to nursing excellence in their organization. So welcome, everybody. Happy New Year. Steph, Megan, it's good to be back together again. Yes, good to see everybody. And so I'm going to start off with, we have we have three guests. So it's, I'm, I'm one of the guests. Um, guest slash podcaster host, um, but we also have Dr. Veronica Rankin and um, Meryl Montgomery. So we're going to allow them to introduce themselves, and then I'll introduce myself after they introduce themselves and how we all kind of tie into nursing excellence with Atrium Health. So Veronica, kick it off and introduce um, introduce yourself to everyone. Absolutely. I am Veronica Rankin. I serve as the Magnet Program Director for the Central Market. I've worked within the Central Market for going on 19 years now, um, and I just love nursing. I feel like I'm the walking commercial for Magnet, um, and I'm so excited to talk about this with you all. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yes, you are the walking magnet definition, or dictionary, I'm sorry, not definition. All right, Meryl, you're, def you're a dictionary, too. <laughs> I am Meryl Montgomery. I'm coordinator, professional nursing practice, and magnet program director at Atrium Navicent Health in Macon, Georgia. Um, I've been in this facility for 36 years. I've been a nurse for 47 years. Um, one of those walking uh, advertisements as well, I reckon. So um, we've been Magnet Hospital since 2005. I first became the Magnet Program Director in 2002. And at that time, ah, sorry, pause. We'll, we'll pause. Ah. I'm and then we'll unplug my phone. Isn't that funny? I need, that's why I say, you know, those phones will just pop up at the worst time. How do I unplug this dumb thing? <laughs> the cuss word. Oh, no, I, was kidding. I said dumb. I said dumb. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have fun, girl. Believe me. <laughs> Okay, I have no idea what I was talking about. Okay. So, Meryl, start back over since, you know, we, we got all the, the ringtones in. Okay. Um, so, just start back over as if I just said, hey, Meryl, you are the dictionary as well, and introduce yourself. Okay. Hi, this is Meryl Montgomery. I'm coordinator of professional nursing practice and magnet program director at Atrium Health Navicent in Macon. I have been in that role off and on for 36 years. I've been a nurse for 47 years. Um, we started our magnet journey in 2002. And at that time, we weren't really aware of the pathway availability. I'm not sure if it was even available then, um, but we had, it took us about two and a half, three years to create infrastructure around nursing excellence um, before we could apply and submit our document for the magnet um, designation. So I'm um, also very excited about magnet 
And uh, I think it's great to have something to focus on other than waiting for that fifth surge. So I'm happy to talk with you about it. Yeah, and my name's Carmen Shaw. Um, I have been with Atrium Health um, for almost seven, probably about 17 years here. And um, so recently I was um, um, promoted to assistant vice president with our organization to help serve and lead our work around nursing excellence across our enterprise. And so I always and have had the privilege of working with Veronica and, and Mural, but I'm even more excited about that um, in the upcoming years and, and allowing them to, to help me and, and mentor me, but also giving me information and insights so I can mentor others. So I'm so excited about it. Happy to really dive into this topic today. Yeah, and I'm thrilled to be here in, in this uh, epicenter of nursing excellence that I'm with today. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about nursing excellence. Um, and so when, when people hear that or hear that term or see that term, um, I think sometimes, I, at least I've gotten the question, what is nursing excellence? You know, we, we use it a lot in um, our discussions and conversations. But um, really, what what is it? And um, I always tell people that there's no one definition for nursing excellence. It it means a lot of things. It could be individual, where individual nurses striving to provide the the best care, striving to invest in their own professional development. Um, it could be them involving themselves in health policy. It can be innovation them creating something, being an entrepreneur, um, but it also could be excellence in regards to um, a collective group of nursing, nurses and how that collective group works together to improve outcomes, to have the best processes in place um, for our organization to function um, to its highest level, but also to improve outcomes um, in patient populations. Um, and, you know, to also uh, improve our own selves, our mental health, our work environment and such. So it means a lot. I will say that at Atrium Health, um, we are our way of measuring nursing excellence is through the achievement of an ANCC um, designation, um, the, the ANCC pathway to excellence and or um, the ANCC Magnet Recognition Program. So um, I just wanted to kind of set that that kind of tone stuff because I, I will say a lot of people don't always understand what nursing excellence means um, because it's just used so widely, interchangeably, and there's no right or wrong. But um, Meryl and Veronica, I don't know what you have to to you know um, say about that. Any comments about that? Anything you want to add? I guess when I think of nursing excellence, I'm kind of thinking of kind of the basic um, application of the term. And for me, um, I can do a comparison of before we were magnet and after we were magnet to demonstrate excellence. And one of actually we had several things that improved dramatically after we developed the infrastructure, which really at this point in time would be more of the pathway process. But we didn't really have the infrastructure for research or for a solid retention program or for a solid um, reduction in hospital acquired conditions or hacks or hospital acquired infections or um, highs. HAIs and hacks. And when after and along our journey, we started seeing improvements in all those areas. So our turnover dropped, our nurse satisfaction rose, our patient satisfaction got better, our bond rating improved because we were a magnet facility and we were able to borrow money at a lower rate so we could actually expand and improve and grow. Um, clinical outcomes improved, our BSN rates improved. So to me, those are all um, either process or outcome measures of excellence. And I guess the other thing is something I teach in orientation about magnet, that magnet is one of those things that's um, 
It's in the moment. I always say magnet is in the moment. Um, and it's the choices that nurses make um, that determine if you're in a mode of excellence or a mode of, I guess, mediocrity or just being average. And, you know, this, a simple example would be how you approach your patient. So I can go in, stand over my patient, get the report from the prior nurse, and you know I can say, hi, I'm Meryl Montgomery, and I'm gonna be your nurse today. And what we're working on is we gotta get you to eat, and I'll put that on your whiteboard, and we need you to walk twice, and we need you up for meals. Um, and I miss the boat when I do it that way. So the choice that I make for excellence and it's simple, is that I go in the room, I say, do you mind if I sit down? And I sit, um, I reinforce that I'm the nurse that the prior offgoing nurse introduced me um, at that time. And I'll say, um, you know, I'm Meryl Montgomery, you can call me Meryl, what do you prefer to be called? And then I have a conversation with them that doesn't take any longer than me standing in them lying in bed. That's all about what they want to achieve or accomplish that day. And that's what I put on the whiteboard for their goals. Because if they didn't want to get up and walk, I don't care what I put on there for goals, they're not going to get up and walk. Um, and that's to me, a little example of excellence. It's those choices that you make that um, guide you on that pathway, you know, along with everything that Carmen said, of course. But um, I like to break it into the smaller pieces so you can use case studies and think about, reflect on what you did during the day that was a choice for excellence versus a choice for mediocrity. I would agree. Just adding on to what both Carmen and Meryl said, I would describe nursing excellence as nursing's audacity to know how awesome we truly are and what we bring to healthcare. Because I feel like you can have the most astute clinician, the most um, you know, innovative, awesome leader, but if they don't know how awesome they are, if they don't appreciate what they bring and know that they are a voice to be reckoned with, in whatever they're trying to do. To me, they downplay it some, and maybe they don't take those opportunities to speak and to have their voice be heard. And so for nurses to realize that this program is created to validate that you are an excellent nurse that is absolutely critical to healthcare, meaning healthcare cannot survive without us. To me, that is what nursing excellence is, knowing that I am that absolutely essential element to make healthcare work, to make my patients leave with better outcomes, to live, to have nurses um, step up to be the leaders that they are, to lead research and to be involved in evidence-based practice at the bedside. Um, to me, that's what nursing excellence is, just having that pride in your profession and knowing that you're here and you're needed to be here. I love yeah. it. I love that. That's ownership. Ownership of your practice. I love it. Love it. Love it. So I want to. So we're talking about nursing excellence, and um, there's a couple things out there that are designations or validations of nursing excellence. So there's magnet designation and there's pathways to excellence designations. And these are these are. Um, designations of nursing excellence. I, I'm just wondering if we could just maybe briefly get a little of the history on how these came about and what makes it so important. Um, yeah, and Meryl, Veronica, you definitely chime in. Um, you know, ANCC stands for American Nurse Credentialing Center, and they have to um, two designations around nursing excellence. One is pathway to excellence, which is I think been around almost 15 years or so. Um, it is probably the newest designation um, on the market, I would say, from ANCC. And then um, there's the magnet recognition program, um, which has been around for a really, really long time and probably is what most hospital leaders and nurses are very familiar with. Um, only about 579, 80 hospitals in the United States are magnets. So that's about 
of hospitals across the United States that actually has a magnet um, designation. And so I think that really speaks volumes because it tells you how competitive the program is, how um, you know important um, that criteria criteria is in really achieving the designation. And I don't think um, there are public numbers yet on the pathway to excellence program um, designations across the U.S., but there are a lot of hospitals that have pathways as well. Um, but there are two, these are two um, programs. Uh, they are not uh, necessarily one's better than the other. There are hospitals that are pathway designated organizations, and then there are hospitals that are magnet um, designated organizations, and then there are organizations that have dual um, designations. Um, so, uh, so, anyways, uh, there's those are two national ones from Atrium Health Organization um, early in 2021. You know, really coming off of that almost a year of COVID pandemic, um, as you all know, COVID really changed a lot changed the landscape of nursing, changed how we practice. It really showed our strength, our collectiveness um, as a profession. It, it really challenged us to be better nurses, better leaders in our organization. But it also brought, I feel like, the strength out in all of us. And um, no matter where we practice from. And um, coming yeah. I just want to... I Something you just said makes me want to go back to something you earlier said. You said there are hospitals with pathways designation and hospitals with magnet designation, but are these designations only available to hospitals or can places that practice nursing out in a post-acute or in an ambulatory environment participate in these programs as well? Yeah, so on the on the um, website, they list hospitals as that in that 8.9%. Um, but yes, with with pathway to excellence and um, magnet, you know, they say or they really use the term organization. Um, but you primarily hear, or I'm sorry, you primarily see hospitals being a part of it, just simply because of the structure in which they um, have in that particular organization, and that they can meet the criteria. Um, so that's why you may not see a lot of the other. Um, areas like, you know, ambulatory or long-term care um, with magnet. Um, so it all, it really all depends on me being able to fulfill and meet the criteria and also how you align in the organization um, hierarchy. But with Pathway to Excellence definitely opens um, the opportunity for a lot of the non-hospital tight organizations to really achieve. So like um, skilled nursing and um, ambulatory medical practices and such. So um, it the criteria really allows that room for you to achieve um, designation in those areas. And when you look back at the history, a brief history lesson, um, when back in the 80s, who else has been around that long besides <laughs> me? Anyway, back in the in the year uh, when we had a very steep shortages, probably not dissimilar to now, um, ANCC, well, ANA at that time, uh, began looking at those hospitals that were very successful in retaining uh, their nurses, and they found there were common criteria. They did some very heavy research on uh, University of uh, Georgia was one of the hospitals in the initial research, and they found there were 14, what they called at that time, forces of magnetism. And these forces of magnetism were things like leadership and, um, you know, education, professional development, those kinds of things. And in these uh, forces of magnetism, they, they were really hoping for a panacea, that they would do this research and they would find that, oh gosh, if you just did this one or two things, you're going to solve retention and solve turnover and not so much. So the initial magnet um, designation came on the 80s, actually, and it was to really recognize those hospitals that were demonstrating all 14 of those forces of magnetism. So 
uh, and I was pretty much in when at the time we started looking at magnet, there were 50 magnet hospitals in the world um, and there weren't any international at that time. So uh, we were pretty early on. By the time we got magnet, there was about 150. So it had grown a lot in those three years. Um, but what they found over time is that, number one, there were hundreds of standards, so not way more standards than we have now, but you have to be um, be able to demonstrate all of those standards. So the magnet symbol comes about because hospitals that, that dem demonstrate all those standards um, are able to attract and retain those, why doesn't it work when I hang up? Pause, sorry, are able to attract and retain. So like a magnet, they can attract. Hang on, hang on just a second, Meryl. I don't think we gave enough editing time there. So go back just a sentence, say, you know. Okay. So the magnet hospitals uh, are called magnet because like a magnet, they can attract and they can retain or hold on to the nurses. And that's because of this environment of excellence where leaders work together with the nurses and the nurses are fully engaged in making critical decisions regards to their work environment and their clinical practice. So that's kind of the backdrop. Texas is the uh, state that started Pathway. They called us something different at that time. And that was really in recognition that not every facility, skilled nursing or clinic or hospital or nursing practice, as well as small critical access hospitals and the like, simply are not going to be able to meet the magnet standards because the magnet standards are very heavy on, um, re on not only research, but outcomes and national benchmarking. And there just aren't national benchmarks for a lot of these places. So Texas came up with the idea of this other designation. Um, it was purchased by ANCC and uh, they changed it to Pathway to Excellence. And there are now 207 Pathway to Excellence hospitals and other facilities, other healthcare facilities. So that's kind of the backdrop of it, but it has always been focused on excellence and not just outcome, but also process and how you get there. I love that, Meryl. I, I'm I'm sitting here listening to you and realizing that your just your knowledge and ex expertise is just really amazing. Uh, but for the new nurses out there, or nurse listeners that maybe are taking everything you all are saying in and saying, okay, I, I get being magnet is great. I've heard that's where you want to be. Um, if you could give an elevator speech, and Veronica, maybe you want to answer this, but if you could give an elevator speech to that new nurse, why she should, he or she should go to that magnet facility, uh, kind of what would you say is the reason they should pursue a magnet hospital? So, or pathway? yes, in our new nurse orientation class that we have every month, um, there's, you know, especially when we could do it in person, which I like much better than doing it virtually, I'd always ask, Okay, for these new individuals here, how many of you have worked at magnet hospitals before and how many of you worked at non-magnet hospitals before? And so for those nurses who have worked at magnet hospitals, their response to that question just is just so much more energetic. That hand flies up and they're like, call on me. I want to tell you why, you know. And of course I do. I say, well, why, why did you what was about working at a magnet hospital compared to a non-magnet hospital? And so what I would say is it's the culture. It's that commitment from everyone that nursing is seen as a very essential piece to healthcare. I would also say that in physicians that I've spoken to, we have physicians right here in the central market that will tell you they will not work at a facility that is not magnet designated. And so, of course, you know, I ask those questions like, well, why, why is that? Tell me a little more about that. And so one physician really brought it home and he said, well, in a home, if you can imagine where there is a father, mother, children, dog, animals, whatever, if mom's not happy, no one is happy. And so to that physician's words, he said, if nurses aren't happy, the road stops. The road is bumpy. You, you're just not going to have a good a good way of practice. So in magnet designated hospitals, those nurses are empowered. 
their listen to, their satisfaction scores have to be at least at benchmark, if not outperforming the benchmark. The turnover has to be low. You have to have so many um, areas in which that hospital proves that they are magnet worthy. And so by doing that, there's that recipe that the leaders have to provide that support for nurses so that they can lead research, so that they are engaged in shared governance and they know their voice is heard. Um, because of all of the standards that you have to meet for Magnet, um, there's just that, that collaboration between everyone involved, including non-nursing personnel, because it takes that teamwork to make that magnet culture continue to grow and develop. In addition to all of the other things like patient outcomes, patient satisfaction, nurse satisfaction, and all of that jazz. So the elevator speech that I would say why work at a magnet hospital is because nursing is the skeleton of healthcare. And so if the skeleton is strong, if you don't have that osteopenia or osteoporosis in that skeleton, you can have a strong network there. Whereas if that network is not strong, if the bones aren't healthy and strong, if the bones are weak or fractured or what have you, that, that network can't be as strong as it can be. And so I would say magnet is what really fortifies that vertebrae of what nursing is for healthcare. Magnet's calcium. Yeah, it is. That's awesome. I love that. I'm going to ask you something. It might be a tough one you, to answer, and, and you may not know the answer, but you're talking about how um, that designation, because of the empowerment and the, the shared decision-making and the structures that are in place in a magnet organization or a pathways organization, how turnover tends to be lower. But, you know, through our COVID crisis, um, I would say that, universally places are struggling hanging on to nurses. We actually did a podcast about this recently about people leaving the profession and um, and it's and we're seeing it everywhere. So this is not something that's only exists in atrium health. This is something that's going on across the world as people are um, dealing with just these these massive numbers of patients and illness and death that we've seen with COVID. So what I'm curious about is if there's any evidence out there or if it's maybe it's evolving that shows um, the, the data in, in, in a designated hospital is still better than in a non-designated hospital. Do you know if that supports that or exists yet? So maybe turnover, while it's higher than we're accustomed to, is still better than the national benchmark? Yes, there is that data that is supported by the ANCC program that they love to push out. Um, of course, even whenever you use Indian QI or other databases where you're benchmarking your outcomes with others, you can, especially in Indian QI, you can actually decide how you're going to compare your hospital to someone else. And so anytime you compare, if you choose the comparison of magnet designated hospitals, the outcomes are usually that much higher than if you choose the comparison of all hospitals or just teaching hospitals, what have you. So yes, magnet designated hospitals have better turnover, meaning reduced turnover compared to non-magnet non designated hospitals. And that's through third quarter of 21, because that data is out now, and it does clearly show that the magnet hospitals uh, do have lower turnover. Yeah. Do nurses at Atrium have access to that data to be able to look at it? Uh, yes, I'd say yes. Um, um, any nurse that, um, well, number one, I put all the managers um, on that database so that they can access their own data. Their data is posted on the internet and it's also sent out to them. They post it on their units and they get the graphs on their units. They get a schematic overview on their units. And as well, if there's any nurse who is interested in looking further into their data, um, I can add anyone at any time to that database and they can look at their data or anyone anyone else's data. So yeah, that's a very open system. It is controlled by the Indian QI site coordinator, which is myself in, in our case. But um, yeah, that's very that's very transparent data. Yep. 
And for the central market, no, every nurse cannot get in because we just have too many nurses. <laughs> but I have access to that as I serve as the central market site coordinator. So if anyone wanted to, you know, see what our data looks like, our nurse care hours in Indian QI, I or a few others, I believe we have eight other individuals in the central market that has access to get in there and pull that data. We can at any time and I'm always willing to do that. And Veronica, you all have Voices of Nursing boards too, where you highlight some of that that data for that specific unit. So <clears throat> there's a, another, I think, avenue of it being available to, to our teammates. And then we do have a um, nursing quality scorecard, which some of those are added there as well. So, yeah. Yeah, we had the unit specific scores are all posted on every unit. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes, and speaking specifically to the Voice of Nursing Excellence, that was one of our exemplars during our last magnet site visit in which our appraisers were just like blown away that we had these boards on the unit that has unit specific nurse sensitive indicator data. So on that board, we have, of course, a picture of our professional practice model. We have nurse degree and certification information, nurse satisfaction information from the last nurse engagement survey. We have nurse sensitive indicators, rather it's CAUTI, CLAPSI, FALLS, what have you on that board. Um, and so it's just a plethora of, of different data points that nurses who are looking for a project or just wanting to remain updated on what they can impact when it comes to patient outcomes on their unit. It's a one-stop shop for them to go to and remain updated and also to see opportunities that they can jump into if they're looking for like a clinical ladder project. Go look for that nurse sensitive indicator that your unit is struggling with and let that be a focal point in which you can help lead and improve that outcome with your clinical ladder project or whatever kind of project they're wanting to lead on the unit. But yes, yeah, a great resource. I am hearing uh, dollar signs when you're talking, Veronica, because when we're losing nurses, we're hemorrhaging millions of dollars. And so the fact that you, what you guys are talking about with a magnet designated facility retains their people better, even in a crisis like we're seeing today, that's dollar signs for any nurse executives listening. I just think that's really neat. Um, and I want to circle back to your quote to RNs that having the audacity to be excellent. And I feel like that's a theme of this whole this whole um, talk we're having here. Um, but even, I was thinking too, another trigger, it was just the magnet status. As we're having these resignations and mass turnovers across the nation, your magnet programs really give voice and value behind um, the special educators we provide or the special clinical advancement projects. You know, if, when they're looking at budget cuts, you can firmly come behind an organization and say, no, we need to stand behind this because this is going to save us money in the long run. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Any of you? Absolutely. And, and I think that's what I call the magnet program, basically being that recipe or a navigator to excellence. So if your hospital and, you know, we are all, you know, confident and proud of our workplace, but there's always something every workplace hadn't thought of or had not delved into. And so having that magnet manual when it says give us an example of nursing adopting technology, you know, it's like, oh, wait. Well, we do that, but how could we prove that? To me, it makes us stretch our brain and figure out ways in which maybe there's some areas that we kind of touched on it a little bit, but we really didn't delve into it enough in which we could have a magnet example. I feel like the magnet manual in particular, because that's what I'm, I'm you know, good at, can't speak the pathway <laughs> at this point, although I do know it's a culture developer and all that jazz. But to me, the magnet manual makes you continue to grow and develop even when you felt like I think we're pretty much ahead of the ball game and then you read that manual you read those standards and you're like oh my goodness had we thought about this well let's get someone on it and to me it's that recipe that you may have not even thought about some ingredients going in there so it continues as that manual gets um, updated every couple of years it raises the bar. So it makes you stretch your brain and think outside the box, of course, to meet these standards, but more importantly, 
to make your workplace better. So if you have a workplace that's devoted to getting better, to making the nurses happier, the patients happier, having those outcomes, looking at advances in research and, and evidence-based practice that you hadn't thought of before, you have no choice but to have nurses that are engaged, who's not going to want to work there and not want to, you know, be involved in the, the awesomeness that's happened at that facility. So, yeah. Um, I was looking back. Um, it's been it's been a little while since we've uh, costed out improvements, but in um, our early first four, I don't know if it's the first or second four years, but when we looked at our turnover savings, it was about 18 million. Um, and when we looked at savings related to uh, falls, pressure injuries, codding, those kinds of things, it was 10 to 20 million. So, I mean, you can hard dollar these things as well. And when you have nurses involved and engaged and when they look at their voice of nursing board and we have something analogous to that and they see that they have a red circle, which I promise you they don't want to have red, they want to have green, they'll write notes. They'll say, hey, we could do this or we could do that. And they actually put that on the board and that's up on the unit so that the staff become engaged and doesn't have to be just nurses. If you're talking about pressure injuries, gosh, the techs have a lot of feedback on that. So it's really a, a, a way of enhancing the collaboration among the teammates, the communication. Sometimes we'll have physicians look at it and ask the nurses what that means. Um, appraisers of various types, state, feds, uh, excuse me, CMS, and um, we use uh, uh, DNV, and they will also look at the boards when they're in person. They haven't been the last uh, two years, but when they're in person, uh, they will also ask nurses specifically, what are you doing about this? It's a red circle. How do you turn that green? And um, they talk about that and are able to uh, demonstrate that they're engaged and involved in trying to improve those things. What do you think is the hardest uh, piece of the designation? You know, there's the outcomes and new knowledge innovation and uh, with research and things. What, what's the hardest piece of this for nurses to get behind or maybe wrap their brains around? To me, it's as I'm writing right now and enjoying the whole magnet writing process, um, it's the proof. I feel like I could go even right now, you know, trying to find an ethical situation um, where nurses were engaged and we applied resources. We have a million and one examples, but magnet requires sources of evidence. So they need emails, screenshots of the medical record or some kind of proof. And it's like, who keeps all of those emails? And, mm -hmm. and for to me, empowered nurses, I could go talk to Carmen in the hallway and say, Carmen, we need to do this. What do you think about this? And Carmen's like, yes, let's have a meeting. You know what? Let's just handle it right now. There may not be an email trail <laughs> from that conversation from myself and Carmen because we handle it like we do. You know, but then if I want to use that example for magnet. I need sources of evidence to prove that it was done to and, and up to five. So to me, that's the hardest part. Um, when I ask for examples, it's just, oh my gosh, overwhelming to where I'm like, stop, no more examples. I can't check my email <laughs> fast enough. But the hardest thing is just finding the support that you need that is required for Magnet um, in, in their eyes to prove that it was done. To me, that's the hardest part. And that's one of the things I like about Pathways. You can write testimonials. Um, frontline nurses can do a testimonial, which Magnet does not accept yeah. testimonials. So it's all about the evidence and got to have the hard copy. You've got to have the data. And you don't need that for Pathway, which is an equally impactful program in that it addresses the environment that nurses work in. And you've got to have that positive, exceptional environment for nurses to want to stay and to want to do their best. Mm -hmm. um, you know, get to that level of awesomeness, as Veronica says. Um, you have to have a supportive environment for them to want to be awesome. And, um, you know, that's, I think, the beauty of having both Pathway and Magnet. It allows opportunity for both of those facility, you know, both types of facilities who are working either on Magnet or Pathways to be able to excel 
and to uh, show their excellence and demonstrate their excellence. Either pathway they go, you can't go wrong. Yeah, I, I look at pathways as a, a foundational to magnet sometimes. Um, you know, there are some organizations that will go straight to magnet, and then there were some that will go pathway and then, you know, continue on to pursue magnet. And I really look at, to me, the separation, the line in the sand is pathway is very much more making sure that you have your processes and structures in place for that excellent environment, for that positive practice environment, for that culture. And really magnet, you should already have that in place. And and magnet, you have to produce the outcome. Just as, you know, Meryl and Veronica has, um, you know, shared. And that that's really a big, big, big thing. And sometimes people need, you know, organizations, it can take them seven to 10 years to get magnet. Like it's not, and, and pathway, you know, it could take them, you know, three to four years. It depends on where people are in their organization. You know, it is all a culture thing. It's not just pulling out a book and going side by side and saying, oh, we got this, we got that. It is really a culture change because for both of those designations, there is what they call an appraisal process. Somebody has to come in and appraise that you are doing and you've done what you've written about, whether that's pathway to excellence or magnet. You know, and magnet, you know, visitors, I call visitors come and walk through your hospital with your manual and they look and say, oh, you're doing this, oh, you're doing that. And they talk to the staff and they appraise you based off of what you've written and what you've shown and what they've seen and confirmed. But with pathway to excellence, it is the nurses in the organization that actually appraises the hospital, appraises the organization, not strangers. And to me, that's just as equally challenging, <laughs> um, you know, because from day one, you really, you got to start engaging your frontline nurses in the very beginning um, because they got to be able to, to attest that what we've written, what the things we have in place, the processes, the structures we have in place, are really true and they, they believe that. So, um, but, but, you know, they both are cultural, really driven designations. Um, and, you know, they both serve its own purpose and objective, I think, for um, the organization. I think if nurses work at a pathway, I think working at a pathway organization and or magnet organization, you know, is a plus versus, you know, not versus going to a hospital that, that's not on that journey or has neither one of those designations. And, and I guess I think um, when you think of challenges, um, virtual environment is very challenging. Um, we were supposed to have our site visit in um, April of 2020. <sighs> um, that got canceled and then it went to virtual it was supposed to be in July, that got canceled. It was supposed to be in September, that got canceled. And our virtual site visit was finally in October. And the coordination of four appraisers over four days, and they talked with over 900 people. And all that has to be set up in advance. So um, it makes it um, way more complicated than in person, which you know we had done three times prior. So. Um, and the with pathways, you don't have an in-person or virtual visit. You have the survey that Carmen was talking about, a survey for your staff. But in essence, Magnet does the same thing. They just do it in person. And they're validating and clarifying that what you wrote is what your environment actually is. So um, that, to me, is the exciting part. It's exciting and the challenging part since it's virtual now. Quick question. We've got quite a few atrium facilities that are designated or on the journey for designation. So if you're a nurse working at atrium and you want to learn a little bit more, where should we direct people to? I would say the ANCC Magnet website. They have a lot of information up there. Also, too, you're, if you have a magnet program director, or magnet coordinator, and you're magnet designated, there's a magnet learning community. Um, right. But you have to already be like 
on officially you paid some money you're you're locked in that you're, you're gonna go for magnet um they that magnet learning community has a lot of resources with other magnet program directors like a a listserv kind of deal where you can send out questions and read through this endless amount of information from others talking back and forth and sharing resources but i would definitely say the ANCC Magnet uh, website is a great place to start for more information. And I also thank Carmen, uh, Veronica, and myself are good resources for you. Uh, plus, we're required by Magnet at any rate, so Veronica would have the same thing. On our internet sites, we're required to have an area that discusses Magnet and um, nursing excellence, so that would also be on our internet sites. Um, for both Charlotte and Navison. Yeah, I agree with Veronica and Meryl. Um, just to add, it would be for those those um, hospitals or those that want to learn more about Pathway as well, it would be the ANCC Pathway to Excellence website. Um, so they that is a great place to get resources. And then we also have our nursing portal and um, so there is a nursing excellence tile there as well that we will continue to be updating with information. Oh, that's awesome, Carmen. And I just want to throw in there, you know, I know Carmen, you mentioned it take a decade for a facility to, to get this done and to, you know, but I would, I would counter that if they were lucky enough to have ladies like you, in their knowledgeable, innovative, and then pushing for these um, measures to be met, um, and then getting in there and getting the education like you're talking about, Dr. Rankin. Um, so I just, I'm, we're so lucky to have you all. I just think that's wonderful. Um, but if there's somebody listening on the, uh, one of our listeners, if you are an innovator in your facility, um, this is a great opportunity for your, for your um, system if they don't have a magnet designation yet. Um, but yeah. I'm going to kick it over to Stephanie. We like to close with our mission um, for Atrium Health. Go ahead, Steph. Sure. Well, as you guys well know, our mission at Atrium Health is to improve health, elevate hope, and advance healing for all. And then our vision is to be the first best choice for care, which is why we call our podcast First Best Nurse. And we definitely want to be the first and best choice for the place you practice nursing. Um, but just thinking about our mission and our vision of Atrium Health, tell me how you feel like the pursuit of Magnet or Pathways designation supports our mission or vision. I'm sorry, I was writing something to Megan. Can you repeat them? I can take it. <laughs> so, be the best in the first choice for care. I think for one, knowing that the magnet designation is a prestigious designation that every hospital can't qualify for. Um, and even some hospitals that qualify right now may not qualify when they redesignate in how many ever years they have to. So I think that magnet designation aligns with our mission and vision statement simply because it keeps us on that path for excellence. It keeps us on that path for one, making sure that we're providing what is needed to our community and to the world, that we're always seeking to be better and raise the bar. So yeah, we did great in this, but how can we improve it and get even higher and make the outcomes even better? What have we not thought about? And of course you have to have individuals who are empowered, individuals who know that they have the support of their leaders, executive leaders and teammates to um, think in that in that fashion. And so I think that magnet is just one way in which it locks us into our mission and vision statement, helps us make sure that we're going to achieve that which we've set out to do. I think another thing, I guess, is just kind of an analogy. When Veronica's talking about magnet being the skeleton or someone else mentioned it being the calcium, I guess um, our mission and our vision is our ground. You know, it's the foundation that we walk upon, that we, you know, that it's our air, it's what surrounds us. It's, um, you know, it, it's those elements of culture that um, magnet helps us 
get enculturated. So without having a magnet environment, it's hard to get your mission and your vision um, enculturated and Pathway to Excellence does the same thing. I mean, it's a huge focus on self-care. It's a huge focus on making sure that nurses are engaged and making sure that you've got great collegiality and teamwork and all those other things. You can't achieve your mission and your vision unless you have those things. So it's a way of providing structure to that. It's a way of um, enabling you to achieve that mission and that vision and have that groundwork, if you will, so that um, you know that you're going to have support. Heck, it's, it's the vision and the mission for the entire enterprise. So how could you not have support for that? Therefore, how could you not have support for Pathway or Magnet? Yeah, and, you know, our mission is to improve health, elevate hope, and advance healing um, for all. And so um, when you look at both the, the key principles of the magnet designation um, or the magnet model framework and the pathway to excellence framework, it's, it's really very much aligned with feeding into improving health, whether that's for our teammates and our patients and elevating hope and advancing healing. Um, and I think, you know, regardless of, you know, whether it's magnet or pathway to excellence, you know, those definitely are um, organizations that you want to be a part of and you want to work in and you want to work for um, just because of the culture that's built. If, if they're not, you know, once you get the designation, that means you've achieved that, that level of meeting the criteria to, to really, you know, um, show that you have that culture in place. Um, but also want to mention that um, we, you know, from, and I'm speaking more not from a specific facility, but from enterprise, you know, we have a nursing strategic plan. And so, um, achieving, when you look at our nursing strategic plan, um, the elements of both magnet and pathway to excellence is intertwined into that. And so when you look at the different buckets um, or categories of that strategic plan, you know, it is very much the elements that you will see in those frameworks for pathway to excellence and magnet. And the strategic plan is built both by our bedside nurses. We have an enterprise professional practice council as well as our chief nurse executive council. And so with that collaboration, um, we will be successful in meeting this and we have that support to achieve it. Um, I also will say that, you know, recently towards the end of last year, maybe in October, November, Atrium Health came out with culture commitments. And if you look at the, the culture commitments, they're keywords like belong. Um, we work as one team to make great, great things happen. We earn trust in all we do. We innovate to better the now and create the future. We drive for excellence always. Those keywords, you know, work as one team, trust, innovate, excellence. Those are the same terms that you see throughout the, the, the manual for magnet, throughout the manual for pathway to excellence. So this to me certainly aligns with our mission and vision um, for our organization, especially as it relates to our, to building our culture that we need to have to be successful, um, a, a successful organization. So, um, but that's my commentary um, for the day. <laughs> I love it. And Carmen, you normally don't get to answer that question. You're usually the one asking it. So yeah. <laughs> it's exciting for me to hear your answer. Yes. <laughs> well, you ladies are all very magnetic, and I hope to continue to circulate in your atmosphere as we grow our magnet and pathways designations throughout Atrium. I think it's an exciting time for nursing here. I think there's going to be a lot of energy and enthusiasm despite all of the challenges that we've been facing these last couple of years. And cer certainly as we enter 2022, there's a new set of challenges, but we're going to get through it together because we're Atrium Health and because it's, we're nurses and, and that's our skeleton. 
Yep. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's our calcium. That's it's right. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining. And thanks to everybody who's listening out there. Happy New Year, everyone. And we look yeah. forward to a great year together. Bye. Bye. Thank you all. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Okay. So we didn't, we did not talk about a name. That's the end of the podcast. I'm still recording, but we'll cut this part out. But Megan liked that name, Audacious. Do we want to try to have that in the name? Like RNs with Audacity to be excellent, or you have the Audacity to be excellent? <laughs> I like that. That's a great yeah. word. I like it too. So we'll probably stick with that. So what's going to happen now is I'll get this recording to Chris and he'll edit it. It usually takes a week or so for him to do that. And then he'll send us a link and we'll upload it to the portal. And we'll also upload it where it's out there available, like on Spotify and Applecast and all that stuff. So we'll get the links to you guys and you can share them as broadly as you want to, because internally or externally, people can be able to see them. We have a great big audience too. We have people in like 11 different countries that listen. Oh, wow. That's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so advertise when you get it. Go ladies. Yeah. You're muted. It's going to be a pathway example. That's right. <laughs> I already got it written down. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with just stacking it and having things ready, Carmen. I believe I it. Know, I know. I know. I know. I know. You'll forget, I you'll forget it. That you're looking for an ethical example. And I've got to think that they exist through COVID. I can't believe. Well, that was one that I'm like, stop. Stop sending me. Stop sending me emails. Because <laughs> you just got a million of them. I think it was yes well the thing is like i'm getting a lot of emails but even in going in the chart like the nurses aren't documenting so it's like i have 30 email examples but you gotta have meryl you're on mute you gotta have like you have to have it in the medical record where the nurse did an events notification where she he or he identified this ethical issue and consulted ethics and we don't do that. And, and so our analyst said, um, well, you know, some hospitals automatically have it as a an order, but nurses can put it in. And I was like, well, we don't, you know, so. Maybe for Epic, but is Mercy part of your application? They yeah. are, right? Uh-huh. So there was, a, there was a patient over there with ALS for over a year that didn't want to go to hospice. And I'm wondering, and I know we did a lot with that patient. I don't know if there was an official ethics consult, but I know we had the hospice providers talk to her and everything. And I wonder, Lisa Hennigan knows about that woman. Misty Walton just, well, she sent me immediately as soon as I sent that email out asking. She was like, oh, we have this example. But her example, she said the lady had been there for three years. It could, um, be, it could be her. And she ended up. That sounds like her. Yeah, she was like, she oh. ended up expiring. She was like, and yeah. I think that we have the only issue is the amount of time going through that medical record i don't have it you know so i'm kind of like at this point let's just go forward anybody have any ethical issues let's go ahead and get in the chart because i spent a full day on one chart where i actually got the example from david carl um and i went through months of documentation and everything and not one nursing uh no, no documentation from nursing that they initiated. And even they did have a pastoral care note in there, but it said that the they were consulted from the interdisciplinary team, didn't say nursing. Right. And so that was an example given to me from our ethics committee, but it lacked the sources of evidence that I needed, you know. Right. Or in our case, we'll have palliative care do extensive documentation. They don't report to our um, you know, they're often social workers, they're not nurses, they don't report through Tracy at all. So, you know, sometimes it's the right example, the wrong people, and nurses just do it as a matter of course. Right. So they don't write it down anywhere. Um, I, I did use an example where they were texting each other back and forth, and I had to use a texting example. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'm trying Veronica. to going forward to where I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. going to some cases right here in the hospital today. I need yeah. this documentation, you know, so yeah, that, that Veronica, and we did that. Um, I mean, just stupid things where we didn't have a good continuum example because you don't want to know, but we picked patients that were coming in to have surgery, talked to the nurses and said, I know you don't normally document this, but get over right. and document it. Right. And we actually picked specific patients and then they were able to do that, but they don't document it. I mean, it's just a matter of course. So right. um, yeah, that I is that it's a large challenge. I think some nurses are actually afraid to put too much in the medical record because they're like, uh, I don't know if this is pulled into the court of law. What if I didn't say it right? So even in what I've heard from them, some of them are like, uh, uh-uh, I don't, I don't like to put that extra stuff in there. And I'm like, you can say you've identified an ethical issue and you consulted ethics. Boom. That's all I need. I don't need you to say you did this, you forgot to do this, or something like that. So. You know, just working through it, but I have a whole bunch of possibilities today that we're going to get someone to document on so I can <laughs> use that as my so they, do, do, so they do it going forward. To, they have to have um, implemented an ethics consult. Is that what it is? Or it has to, to be an ethical, it could be an ethical situation. So it has to be an ethical situation. The easiest way, though, is to show that you have ethics involved. Just because you don't want flags going off and appraisers to say, well, mm, I didn't use. why didn't you be ethics involved if this was right. such a right. situation and you have ethics available at your hospital, you know? The so, only other example that I could think of, too, is I don't know if it, I have to look at the standard you're talking 